0: The peace of Christ be with you as we gather into this place, I invite you to slow down to take two or three deep breaths and allow yourself to be drawn into the presence of the spirit and held by this house of prayer. Friends, let us worship the living God.
1: Rejoice, be glad, this is the day God has made. Rejoice, be
2: glad, this is the day God has made. We
3: try that with us?
2: Rejoice.
4: rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. This is the day that our God has made.
5: Welcome to worship at Westminster this morning. This is a gathering where we seek to know community and be in a beloved community where we also desire to know better the spirit that is within us and among us and beyond us and to be encouraged to serve that spirit in the world. So welcome. Let us join together in our community prayer Let us pray. God, we sit in gratitude for the gift of grace we encounter here. We treasure the opportunities to be in spiritual community, seeking, encountering, and living out the ways of Jesus Christ. Forgive us if we have our many other priorities consume us. It is easy to be overwhelmed By the demands of the world forgives us if other authorities have governed our lives is easy to be persuaded by the onslaught of messages we daily encounter fortify the house of worship and christian service that all who encounter it may likewise experience your transforming grace amen As Psalm 139 says, before I was born, you knew me, and I was knit together in my mother's womb, and you were there. So God is here now, and as we open ourselves to God, we access the depths of God's marvelous love for us, offering grace and restoration and hope, amen.
6: If I could have any of my friends the children that are worshiping with us today, join me here. Yeah. Theo, would you go get that boat right there, please? Bring it to me. Yeah, thank you. All right, let me hold on to these right here. Thank you, you Sol, thank you. That's not part of the show today. All right. <laughs> so, all right, boys. That's enough. Okay, that's enough. I need you to sit right here, okay? And now don't laugh at them, okay? You're only encouraging them. All right. So, I brought a boat. Have any of you ever been on a boat before? Yes, I've been. Yeah. On a ferry. You've been on a ferry. I've been oh. on a sailboat. You've been on a ferry, a, on a sailboat. You might have been in a kayak? Sounds like fun. Oh, some of you have been in a kayak. Well, I brought this boat, which is a lot like a ferry, because sometimes you ride on the boat, like Woody here. This boat is not to scale. But you're riding on the boat, and everything's really neat. But then sometimes waves hit the boat. And another wave hits the boat. And then it starts raining and there's lightning. And is Woody scared? Woody's scared. Woody's going, ooh, I'm shaking in my boots. But Woody still manages on the boat. And guess what? Somebody else is going to join Woody on the boat. Buzz. Buzz is going to swoop in. Buzz wants to ride on the boat with Woody. Trying to fit them all in the boat here. And Buzz and Woody are both riding in the boat. But guess what this time it's a little bit different this time it's a little bit different they're riding on the boat and they remember oh somebody yelled at me today that's kind of like a wave crashing on my boat they yelled at me and i don't feel very good and somebody else took something from me and i don't feel very good about that and the boat starts getting scary because scary things are happening to buzz and woody not just lightning and rain And waves, but other things, like people being mean and people hurting them. And then Iron Man, although he doesn't need a boat, he decides he wants to ride on the boat too. It's a good thing the fire department's coming. (laughs) We're going to need their help. But they're all riding on this boat, and it's scary. And now we've got Spider-Man, and they're all riding. And then some scary things happen that even these superheroes got scared. But fortunately, Spider-Man knew exactly what to do. He threw a web of protection over the boat, and no matter what happened around the boat, the boat traveled safely, just nice and smooth like this. Have any of you ever been scared on a boat? No. You were scared on a boat? No. I've been, I've been scared on a boat before, because it was dark and rainy and lightning, and we were way out away from everything. Like Noah's Ark, yeah, kind of like that. Remember, well, a boat and and mm-hmm. well, there was one time when Jesus was riding in a boat with his friends, and all of us and everything was really pretty I at first. They were riding, good. Well, there was it was really pretty. There was a nice sunset, and they were calmly riding their boat. Everything was so nice and pretty, and then suddenly a big storm came. And it got really scary. And the waves started. And Jesus was sleeping through the storm. And you know what all of his friends like Buzz and Woody and Iron Man and Spider-Man thought? They all thought, Jesus, wake up. Aren't you? Don't you care? Don't you care? Can't you do something about this? Do you think he could do something? Well, I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> so I don't know if Jesus can do anything like control water and waves and... If he can, that means maybe he can control a lot of things and help us in a lot of situations. But first we got to find out if he can. So let's follow Ms. Jen out this room, and we're gonna find out what Jesus can do with the storms. So Go, peace. Peace. Go, Go now in peace. Go now in peace.
5: So I invite you to shift your attention now to a time of prayer together, and we'll use a uh, bidding prayer this morning, and in that prayer, I invite you to focus your prayerful attention in several areas, and in a couple of those areas, to call out names that come to you, and just call them out and not worry about whether others are speaking at the same time. But know that they are heard, whatever we are saying here, is heard by the compassionate spirit in whose arms we are. So let us pray together. Our Lord, we know that you have authority over every aspect of our lives, and so we bring our needs and our thoughts to you. We pray for leaders and prophets in the church, but also in our society. We ask that we may listen with open hearts and minds to the wisdom that we encounter and wherever we recognize the Spirit's authority in the words of these people. Lord, we pray for places in our world that are especially troubled by hatred, division, strife, and hear us as we name some of those places that are on our hearts and minds today. Lord, hear us. We pray also for family and friends or others who are suffering because of flu or other winter sicknesses or who struggle or grieve for different reasons. Hear us now as we call out their names, Lord hear us. And we pray, Lord, for those who provide health care, for those who give care. We ask that they may have hope and strength as they face the daily challenges. In our own sometimes divided society, Lord, we think especially of those who have been made to feel unwelcome because of race, ethnicity, orientation, national origin, Christ Spirit, open our hearts and open all hearts that we may overcome ignorance and fear that leads to prejudice, seeing others as you did and as you do. We pray God for anyone who has suffered sexual abuse and especially those who have been further hurt because of inadequate action by the authorities or those who knew or should have known. May they find healing and help that is needed to live a full and loving life. Holy One, we ask you to hear these prayers that we offer in faith through Jesus our Lord and we pray together the prayer that he taught his disciples. Our Father, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Pay us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. It is not a temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the world forever. Amen.
3: Your arms spread wide. Take me in like an orphan child. Never let go, never leave my side. I am holding on to you. I God to find, I am overwhelmed with the joy divine, love like this sets our hearts on fire. I am, holding on to you, I am, holding on to you, in the middle of the summer.
4: To follow, okay. The scripture reading is Mark 1:21 through 28. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as having, as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him by saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? And he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is holy wisdom, holy word.
0: One of my delights since turning in my dissertation a few weeks ago is now getting to choose again what I read, (laughs) being able to read fiction again. It's incredible. And recently, my wife Sherry passed along this charming book by Alexander McCall Smith uh, that I've been reading, and I'll share a little bit with you. There's a heartwarming uh, episode that happens about a third of the way into the story. The protagonist is a man named Paul who's a food writer, and Paul's girlfriend of four years, Becky, has just left him for her personal trainer. (laughs) Paul is writing a book on Italian cuisine, and so he goes on assignment to finish the book and get a little distance and clear his head a little bit. But when he lands in Italy, uh, there's a mix up and he doesn't have a rental car that was supposed to have been arranged for him. And through a strange turn of events that I'll let you uh, f- discover for yourself if you read the book, it's not until a day later that he has a solution. He calls in a favor from somebody he actually met on the plane and finds himself the next day finally at a, uh, another rental lot where there is one vehicle available. I choose that word intentionally because all that's left for Paul to rent on this holiday weekend is a bulldozer. (laughs) Now, in in just a few moments, we're going to be commissioning a team to lead a capital campaign for the purpose of a much-needed renovation to our facilities. And I imagine that this conjures up images for many of us of bulldozers and construction equipment sweeping through. And I would prefer us not to let those images occupy our mind right now, but instead call to mind all the ministries that happen on this property, the various gatherings that occur, the classes, the worship, the feeding programs, And then allow to come to your mind images of what could happen here and what God desires for us to allow to happen here in the coming years. It's worth talking a little bit about how we got to today. What's leading us to this, to answer this call. It's been years now, several years, since we started to recognize that there was mounting deferred maintenance in our facility largely our main building that preceded this sanctuary. The sanctuary is in pretty good shape. And so we did an assessment to, to get a sense of uh, the extent of that maintenance. And it turns out that there's anywhere from 500 dollars to $700,000 of deferred maintenance that has piled up. And that's just uh, sort of shoring up what we have. But there are other things to be addressed. Right now, you are sitting in a room. We are worshiping in a room that has, is up to date in terms of earthquake safety. All those children that sat here a few minutes ago are not. They're in that building, which is not earthquake-proof or safe. And that's got to change. There are other questions raised by this assessment and by this historical moment. The first, the obvious one is, is our facility meeting our current ministry needs? And I can tell you unequivocally, no. Every week we run up against the limits of our building. Did you know that one group of 25 people meeting in this building can shut down the entire facility if there's another group of the same size that wants to meet? Unless they want to meet in here, all facing the same direction. It's not really about um, amount of space so much as it is about the apportionment of our space. So what we're looking at is to, to try to make things a little bit more efficient and useful and add a little more additional space and a more welcoming space at that. So I mentioned uh, the inability to gather so often when we want to have gatherings. Well, what about service? That speaks to the heart of who you are I've known you to be people who love to serve those who are hungry, those who have no place to stay. We'd like to do more meals for one another, more fellowship opportunities, but if you've ever served in that kitchen, yeah, do I need to finish the sentence, right? I would say we have no dishwasher, but Sharon's here and other, yeah, right? So it needs uh, improvement there. We do pastoral counseling, confidential counseling for people in crisis or in need. And we do that in our lovely studies upstairs. But the problem is that's not accessible to anybody who has a mobility issue. So imagine that someone comes to the church in crisis needing to talk, but can't do stairs, and so we have to kind of hunt around to see if there's a corner where nobody's listening. And these are just the current needs. We're called in every moment to think about the needs of the next generation and imagining what that could be, what God is dreaming for us here, if we would join our dreams with God's. And so what we need right now is some foresight and a vision for the future and what God is trying to do in this corner of the world. And so today we are kicking off a campaign called Westminster 2020, Forward in Faith where we can see what God might have in store for us and and build something to support that mission and ministry. Now, there's a a lot you're going to hear about this campaign. You're going to receive a lot of materials. Please open them. Letters in the mail or other communications. Most of them are not going to be requests for money. In fact, almost all of them are not going to be that. They're going to be invitations to inform you, to engage you, and simply to invite you into the process. So please avail yourself of those opportunities so that we all feel brought along and we can participate as one community. If you're looking to kind of get a sense of where we're going, there are three primary goals that I like to think about when I think about this project, and this will help until you get more information. It's about three simple things. Increasing... Safety, utility or usability, and ministry capacity. Increasing our safety, increasing our utility, and growing our ministry capacity. All it is is we're taking care of what those who came before gifted us with, which is our duty, and hopefully improving upon it a little bit for those who will follow us. That's it, it's really quite simple. Now, I know building projects in churches evoke strong feelings in people. Uh, Many of you are are very excited. We did a feasibility study last year, and the results were overwhelming in terms of support for this type of project. It's fantastic. Now it's finally here. Many of you probably have questions. Good. In fact, great. Part of the reason we will do this over several months is so that we can engage in those questions, answer them, uh, respond to them be changed by them, perhaps, and there may be some still who aren't sure about spending money on a building in a church. I can relate. Many years ago, my home congregation was in a similar situation, and they had some really mounting capital needs that they had to address, and like you, they were a a thriving and growing church, and they had space issues. And as they started to embark on that project, I remember saying to my mother, why should we spend money on the church? We could meet in a barn for all I care. That's all that matters. We should give this money away. And my mother, far wiser than I, lovingly but sternly sort of shook me from my naivete, explaining it just isn't that simple. You see, all these things we care about Feeding meals to the hungry, uh, housing those who have no place to sleep, getting together for fellowship groups or classes or study groups or prayer, gathering to worship, raising our children in the faith, having a place to organize for how we can make a difference in the community. All of it goes away. All of it goes away if we don't take care of the facility we've been blessed with. It's not about spending money on ourselves. I can't say that enough times. It's about investing in what we do here and what we're about here. And that has an impact in every circle in which every one of you lives and moves throughout the week. And it has an impact, an obvious impact, on those who are directly affected by the work we do here day in and day out. It's not spending money on ourselves. It's investing in what we care about for the greater world and for one another. Now, we could just not do this and kick it down the road and allow somebody else to deal with it. But I have known you long enough to know that you're better than that. And you're more forward-thinking than that. And you're more generous than that. You're more faithful than that. It's easy to be afraid of these kinds of things, but fear as the quote on your bulletin cover reminds us is simply a symbol of the limits of our imagination. We simply need to join our imagination with God's dream for us in this place. But let's not be obsessed about buildings. Don't think about them. I want you to think instead about the reason we're here and that's Jesus Christ. Where do we meet Jesus today? The first time he's teaching in the Gospel of Mark, he's in the synagogue. Now, we love to think of Jesus as a rebel, as, as somebody who's against institutions, who's out on the road. And Jesus wasn't afraid to critique institutions when they weren't living up to the best of their ideals, but Jesus loved his tradition. He loved what he came from. Sure, he wanted to, to improve some of it, but he very much wanted to carry forward what was valuable. And it's no coincidence that he begins his ministry in Mark in the synagogue. Because Jesus recognized that the synagogue was the vessel for the stories about God and the stories about God's people. The synagogue was his church. It's where people came to gather to hear the teachings, to find mutual support, to uh, lift up shared values, to preserve them, and to solidify one's identity in the faith. And that's what the church does for us. Don't think of it as, as the end of our work. The building becomes the beginning of our work. It's not a destination. Uh, Think of it more as a hub where people flow through, an epicenter of activity where people come and they encounter something and they're changed because of that and they go out. And that's where the real work begins. Two things really strike me about this passage in Mark and Jesus' teaching. The first is it says that Jesus taught as one with authority. Now think about that. The church is the only institution charged singularly with having Jesus Christ as its authority. Think of the power and the responsibility of that gift. In a world that favors greed, Jesus gives us And the church preserves a calling to instead be sharing and generous. In a world that seems to favor bullying, Jesus gives to us in the church the charge to be compassionate, in the skills to become compassionate. In a world that that trades in idolatry and materialism, Jesus shows up and the church lifts up the importance of valuing people on a deeper level. And for other reasons, for God-given reasons. Jesus crosses every conceivable boundary to remind us, despite what everybody else says, that we are actually one. That's powerful. Secondly, consider what happens when the person cries out in the middle of Jesus' teaching with unclean spirits. We just finished a class on the prophets on Wednesday mornings, and one of the ways we understood prophets is those who are, are vessels for the spirit, they're so tapped into God that God sort of flows through them. But that's not the only thing they're tapped into, they're also tapped into the world around. It's not, it's not only a, a religion or a vocation of contemplation, but one of action. And so they know what's happening in the world and they can respond to it faithfully. So when Jesus is teaching and that person cries out, Jesus hears the cries of the person and he attends to them. And he casts out those unclean spirits so the man can find his voice again. Now think about that. In just a few lines of the gospel, Jesus is both described as one who teaches with authority And one who restores voice to the voiceless. That's our charge too. That's the charge of the church. I'm particularly moved by this notion of hearing the cries and responding. To make an obvious statement, there's a lot to cry about in the world. There's a lot to cry about in our own lives. But it seems to me there are fewer and fewer places to cry. Because we're told not to do that. We have to be stronger than that, whatever that means. We have to keep up appearances. There's a really touching scene in this book I referred to earlier, by the way, which is called My Italian Bulldozer. (laughs) And it exemplifies Uh, both this resistance to crying and our desperate need to do it. Uh, In it, Paul has uh, rumbled uh, through the countryside and his stomach is now grumbling and he realizes it's time to get some lunch. And he sees this cute little village way off the beaten path and he decides to pull, well, to pull in slowly because that's all he can do. And you can imagine quite the stir this causes in the town, which hasn't had this much excitement since... Well, it's never had this much excitement, and so people are trying to be polite, but they can't resist, and so they're watching, and they're gathering, and he makes his way into the only restaurant in town, and uh, they all do too, and uh, they drop the charade of pretending they're not watching, and they just have a delightful conversation throughout their meal, and he relishes in it, but he must go because the bulldozer doesn't go fast, so he needs to get started again. And as he walks out, the woman who owns the restaurant follows him and she presses a cake wrapped in cloth in his hand and says, for you, in case you get hungry on your journey. And Paul starts to weep. And like so many of us, he's embarrassed of his tears. Well, and this is how it goes. There was no reason for him to cry. But often, tears have no particular justification. They are tears for something larger about the world than any private sorrow. So now he wept for the whole notion that there should be a tiny village that nobody visited, and that there should be people there who should be kind to a stranger. He wept for the bigger, louder world that shouted such places down. For the loss of the small and the particular, the local and the familiar. He wept for people who had restaurants in which few people ate their lunch, for people who sold cheap toys and newspapers and combs, for people who grew olive trees that failed to give a crop, for people who thought that Rome did not really care about them. He wept, too, because he had not really wept over the loss of Becky to the personal trainer. And now, at last, he could do that. One of the great privileges of my job is I get to sit where I can see you cry. And there is nothing more sacred to me than to be trusted with your tears. Because it is safe to cry here for whatever moves you. Because this is the vessel charged with the ministry of hearing the cries of others and tending to them. The ministry of Jesus Christ. Paul is moved on his journey, and the vehicle that moves him, literally and metaphorically, is the bulldozer. Because of the bulldozer, he has to move more slowly and attentively. Because of the bulldozer, he has to have a different perspective, a higher perspective on things, and he can see over the fences people put up around their property. And he can see often the distances, what's over the horizon. And because of the bulldozer, he's able to move obstacles out of the way. And in doing so, his heart is moved. This place, in the midst of this bigger, louder world that loves to shout. This place, Westminster is the small and the particular. This place is the local and the familiar. This is the church of Jesus Christ, and there are people whizzing by all day and all night who desperately need it. So let's get some construction equipment in here, and with God's help, see what we can build together. Amen.
2: God above the heavenly host, created, I stand over.
0: be seated at this time we invite forward uh, members of the Capitol campaign leadership team for a commissioning come on down and just stand on these steps here Before you is, believe it or not, only a portion of the leadership team, you have a fuller list in your bulletin, and really the team grows and expands to include all of us, but these leaders have dedicated a special amount of time to lead us in this effort. Uh, Their job is not to raise money. Uh, Their job is actually to help us connect more deeply to our mission and vision As a church of Christ, and to lead us all in an effort to support that mission through the caring for this building uh, for now and for another generation. Their job is to engage us, it's to inform us, and to connect us more deeply to one another and to our faith. They will be communicating a lot to you, as I mentioned earlier. Please avail yourself of those opportunities so that we can really join in this and do it together. You may be asked from time to time. Some of you have already been asked to chip in. I don't mean that financially. I mean with uh, volunteering to help accomplish a particular task. Not everybody can give the same amount of money, but we can all give with equal generosity. So please, if you're asked, prayerfully consider how you might help in this effort the last thing I'll ask for you is something that might surprise you. Don't give us money yet. Don't write a check yet because we first want to dream together, to share together what the vision is for this project and for this church. Don't worry, we'll ask when it's time. And when it's time, you'll simply be asked to give a gift that gives you joy and that gives God joy in this church joy. So now this group that has already spent um, a lot of time together and we're only beginning. We want to bless you and show you that we're with you. So let's all join in the litany which is printed in your bulletin. Sisters and brothers, you, uh, members of the leadership team, have been called for service. Uh, Blessed by the session, the leadership of this church. We trust you
3: you have been charged with being stewards of our future by restoring and renewing our church building.
0: We support you. You You've been asked to lead us towards God's desired future for us. We join you.
2: Let us
3: pray. Eternal God, you have called these people to serve you in this household of grace, which you have entrusted to our care and keeping. Send your Holy Spirit on them that they may serve among us with joy. Guide, inspire, and empower them to help move this congregation forward in faith. May they set an example for all of us to follow. To the glory of your name. Amen. You may be seated.
5: In terms of the life of our community and announcements, there's, uh, you can read uh, what is in the bulletin, but also only one to lift up this morning, which is immediately after this service, there will be the annual congregational meeting, a time when we as members of the church in a democratic format approve budgets and other things brought to our attention. So please come right after this service to the meeting. Our final hymn is number
2: 301. Let us be
0: As Ted mentioned a moment ago, the annual meeting will start right after the postlude. We have a little bit of setting up to do, and people may have some reshuffling. There is child care available, if that's a, a concern for you. And finally, though members are the only ones who can vote on what we vote on, most of what happens in the congressional meeting is, is informational, and anybody is welcome to attend. So please feel invited to stay, even if you are not, I will say, not yet a member. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Amen. Okay, this is your one-minute warning, one-minute warning till we begin.